Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. This is Matt Chatham, your host for NFL in the Game. Brought to you by SeatGeek, the place to get tickets to this week's game. Download the free SeatGeek app today. Joined today, as always, by Brady Papinga. What's going on, Brady? Hey, how we doing there, Matt? Good to join you today. We're doing, and a special guest this week, my old partner at Nesson, uh, longtime Baltimore Ravens center, and more importantly, Maine Black Bear, Mike Flynn. What's going on, Mike? Good. How you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me. Hanging in there, boss. So, a little different show out there for listeners. Uh, if you've heard us throughout the course of this year, we've been doing a lot of different stuff, but we usually gravitate towards that issue of uh, things we learned from the week prior, unanswered questions. So, Basically, the idea here is we're just about to reach the midway point of the NFL season. Uh, and unanswered questions, that's been put to bed. Because by now, if your team has unanswered questions, that's not a good thing. So we're, we're, you are who you are at this point of the season. Hopefully, you continue to improve. But we're not going to gravitate around those things. What we're going to do now is sort of transition into just evaluating what's out there and what we now know. Uh, and I think this we have a unique situation in that there are so many undefeated teams this week in an oddball deal. Two of them are coming off a bye facing one another. So I wanted to have Mike and, and Brady on here to kind of walk through who's left standing as these undefeated teams, not to have a discussion necessarily about if they can stay undefeated. To me, that's completely irrelevant. Uh, I, you know, all the guys on this call have have, have Super Bowl championships, have rings. Uh, I personally, I don't even remember the records in our season, just know we got them. Get in the tournament, that whole thing. Uh, but we're going to run through here the list and just talk about the flaws and challenges that each team have and maybe where their vulnerabilities are. Uh, I swear this is not the Patriot bias out in front, but uh, we will start with New England because they're just at the top is the way they list. <laughs> it was, they always list the standings with the AFC East at the top of the sheet. So Brady Papinga, off the top of your head, you know, these, these Patriots are flying, depending on when people are hearing this show. Uh, we've not yet seen the, the result of Thursday night's game against the Dolphins. When you take a look at those Patriots, uh, obviously they got a lot of strengths. Is there something you see there as a vulnerability that could give them an issue down the road? Well, the only vulnerability I potentially see is how dependent is the team's success on Tom Brady. And if he has a game that's one of the, you know, an average game where he goes out and doesn't light the world on storm, are there other areas of the team that can make up for a performance that's maybe not one of his best? And that's always the question you have with a team that's a quarterback-driven team like the Patriots. And so the real question is, is there going to come a moment, especially one of these critical games, maybe it's a playoff game, uh, since most likely here within the next couple of weeks, as long as they stay on par, they're going to be qualifying for the playoffs, to where Tom Brady has a drop-off and all of a sudden the running game maybe not, maybe is not there or the defense isn't there or the receivers you know, aren't making the big plays they are and are there going to be other areas of their team that can step up? That's a question that I have, and that's a, I would say something that in that way the team has yet to be tested. And so for me it's just more of the unknown of, 
how can the Patriots respond if Tom Brady has one of his down games? I mean, I think the Patriots of the undefeated teams are the best. You know, if we can rank them, and it's, you know, anecdotal by the eye test watching the other teams. Uh, I do agree with the Brady point. I mean, you do put a lot on him. Now, right now, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe Aaron Rodgers out in Green Bay. But there's no doubt he can handle it. But you guys know, in a one-off in a playoff game, and that's how I'm looking at these teams getting to the playoffs, there are a lot of moving parts in offense. And you're right. If the head of the guy, Brady, is off a little bit. You saw last week versus the Jets, there was a lot of drop balls through the course of that game. You know, offense, offenses could get slowed down. Can you stop this offense? They haven't been stopped yet. I mean, I thought the Jets' defense played rather well, and they still got 30 dropped on them. But you're right. You put a lot on Tom Brady. When you're going to throw the ball – 55-plus time and limit your runs, you know, that's a lot to ask for him. If he's off, you know, that's a recipe in a playoff game for whatever reason where you don't get it done. Uh, the second part of that maybe is the secondary, and, and I more along the lines of depth of inexperience. You know, covering team with Malcolm Butler, good football player, far from what he's going to be two, three years from now, let alone, you know, or six, seven weeks from now, let alone two, three years from now. Uh, right. You lose some depth guys. You know, you're bringing in guys that kind of just got on the roster. Now uh, they've played pretty well. I mean, they've had some ups and downs, uh, but overall, when you play, you know, in the playoffs, a better maybe Green Bay. Maybe it takes that long. I'm trying to think of the AFC who can really throw the ball well. Uh, the Jets made some play, plays on them. You know, that could be a weakness. Uh, but to me, across the board, New England are a really good football team. I mean, obviously the coaching, the quarterback, that combination right there. But those are the couple things that in a one game where it matters and it's a few plays here or there, you know, a little lot on Brady, maybe some inexperience in the defensive backfield. I love both of those points. And I think one of the things that pops in my head, and, and Mike, you obviously live and work out in this market and see a ton of them just like I do. I think the thing I always think about is, is you know, caring a little less about the record and thinking more about the matchups. And it's just yeah. a weird year when you look down their schedule. They they don't have – a year ago you're talking about these really high, high-end prolific passing offenses. And, you know, Denver is on their schedule and you'll play them later, but that just hasn't been how they've moved the ball this season with, the you know, Manning's age and arm issues and the new offense and all those kinds of things. You've had uh, Indianapolis on the, on the schedule, but Indianapolis has struggled. And Andrew Luck just hasn't looked like that same player. He's, he's having issues this year for whatever particular reason. But the, the Patriots' particular schedule is loaded with a lot of these run-heavy teams. The, the Jets a week ago, I think the Patriots got a little bit fortunate, and it looked like Chris Ivey, Ivory tweaked something on his very first carry of the day. Yeah. So all of a sudden, what they do so well isn't really available to them, or at least it's it's limited. So as look, I look down the rest of their schedule, and they don't have this big-time, like the big-time throwers. If you just saw this as an off-season schedule, it's Roethlisberger on week one, but he was shorthanded some weapons. It would be cool. it would be luck but you know they just weren't that kind of offense at that time you know you got Eli Manning I don't know how you feel about him the Giants are, are a decent th team down the road here in a few weeks uh, and if Victor Cruz ever comes back I think that does light a fire under the offense because they get a little bit more depth but there, there's a lot of really run-heavy teams. You know, you look at the Texans. I know Arian Foster's now out, but that's a team that's certainly not going to fling it throughout the game. Uh, it's from that division, though, where you look at, you know, teams like the Titans, teams like the Jets, again, that you'll play, the Redskins, uh, the, the Dolphins a little bit. We'll, we'll find out more on on uh, 
on Thursday evening. But most none of these teams are really that, hey, these are going to be your, your fantasy football leaders in the yeah. passing game, and which I think benefits them for the point that you made, Mike. It's the secondary depth issue. That secondary, Matt, against last year's schedule, maybe we're having a different discussion. But because of who I see coming down the road, I'm a little less worried about it for whatever reason. So for my particular vulnerability, the thing I want to keep an eye on, and I think it's something Mike would know as much as any of the three of us on the call, I'm a little concerned about the offensive line depth at the offensive tackle position because they put so much pressure on Tom Brady to just simply get rid of the ball and do quick passing game. If there becomes one of these weeks where they want to run the football, pairing running game and quick passing isn't always the best deal. It's usually running game and a little more deep set play action. And if they're ever going to integrate some running game, which I, I figure they have to do, but I haven't seen them do much of, uh, yeah. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to defend a longer pocket, and they're they have two tackles on their roster. It's a oddball yeah. thing. I don't know, Mike. Have you ever seen a roster made up that way? No. I mean, you usually have depth. I mean, you have some interior guys that can go out there in a pinch. And you're right. You know, with running the ball. I mean, I, I guess over the last, you know, since I've been back in New England the last four or five years, I wouldn't call them a running team, but situational running, they're as good as anybody. Right. You know, certain matchups that they can expose defenses, they can run the football. Um, third and shorts, you know, fourth down, goal line situations. You know, you could say what you want about that offensive line and look at numbers, but when it came to times and games where you were watching and say, well, you got to run the ball here, they get it done. Or, hey, listen, they got a team on its heels. Let's time to be physical. you got to set a tone. They run the football. You haven't seen that right. as much this year. I mean, that is a concern. And to Brady's point about Tom Brady, if whether it's a weather issue, you look at last week's game against it. They're not uh, the receivers aren't playing as well. You run into a Jets defense where you can you take Edelman out of the game a little bit in a few plays. Uh, Gronk, God forbid, gets hurt. Whatever it may, Brady's off. You know to right. to have that situation where you can run back and, and I'm not saying you're going to run the ball 40 times. I mean that's but you can go back in your stable and say all right, we're going to pound him a little bit here. We're going to hit him with some play action and feel confident about that. You know, that's a good point. I mean, that's something you got to be concerned about because you, you haven't seen that. I mean, if I could call just an anecdote at the top of my head, uh, Matt, think of like the number of third and ones that they've been stopped on this year. Right. Uh, you know, up right. in Buffalo. They're, shot, which, they're, a, shot, they're this, a shotgun team on short yardage. I've yeah, never seen I, that which, before. Which this, team, which this team, I mean, they ran, you know, the goal line, you know, sweep outside, short yards as good as anybody. And, and, and you don't, whether you right. class them as a physical offensive line, but they get those yards. You know, there have been times where they haven't got this year. So, uh, you know, that is a concern. I mean, not that they need 30 rushes in a game, but that situa situational running that they've, they're so good at, you haven't seen. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to transition off the Patriots. I know some of our listeners would love if we did the whole show that way. <laughs> we got to cover all these people. So, Brady, Brady, I'm going to spin this out to you, and we'll go Packers. And I, I will make one final sort of Patriots point as, as I go to them. I mentioned all those sort of potential matchup issues or teams that wouldn't be able to provide that particular kind of challenge. To me, that team that's not on their schedule but would be in the event of uh, of a potential Super Bowl matchup would be Green Bay because Green Bay uh, has the has the trigger man that can do that. They now get Devontae Adams back this week. Uh, obviously, there's no Jordy Nelson, but they at least go three to four deep with James Jones and and uh, Randall Cobb and the tight ends who are no-name guys. And I, I hate that. I don't mean to use that in a derogatory th thing, but I'm just saying it's not like a, hey, we got to take away the tight end kind of position. But they spread you out and test depth how do you feel about these Packers moving forward clearly they've got a, a huge matchup this weekend with the Broncos 
Yeah, well, you know, the strength of their team lies with Aaron Rodgers, and then their defense's ability to keep opposing offenses out of the red zone, although they give up a lot of yards. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, they are the epitome of the bamboo. They bend, but they don't break. <laughs> but I'd say their biggest issue, ironically, because of the loss to Jordy Nelson, is their vertical passing game isn't where it's at. Even with Devontae Adams coming back, he's a more bigger possession-type receiver. He's not a deep threat. And so still, Aaron Rodgers, you know, where he's been sacked and also he's been pressured into throwing interceptions as of late, has been because he's been trying to go vertical. He wants to go vertical, but nobody's there. And so he's patting that ball, patting the ball, holding on to it a little longer than he should, and he's taking sacks, or he's trying to get rid of the ball under pressure and throwing it into the hands of opposing defenders. So their biggest deficiency right now is their ability to go deep, which is ironic when, in fact, I don't know what, like six months ago, it was probably one of their strengths. And until Jordy Nelson went out, that changed. And so for them, they're a well-balanced team. They're a complete team, except for right now they're struggling with the vertical passing game. Well, yeah, I mean, with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, listen, I, you know, I know it's simple to say, you know, the best quarterbacks generally are pretty damn good teams. You look around, even the undefeated teams at that position, they're solid. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, next to Brady, to me, uh, the best guy in the league. And in terms of Jordy Nelson, you're right. It, it takes an element out of their game. But one thing for them, unlike Gronkowski in New England a few years ago and some of these other teams, you know, they lost him in camp. And eventually Aaron Rodgers will figure it out, and they may get exposed somewhere. You mentioned about not getting the ball deep. But they'll figure out over the course of, of, of 16 games. Uh, and when it comes to the playoffs at home, you know, work around that weakness. But, you know, they're running the football. Their defense, you know, you look at them in terms of giving up points, you know, which is always the key. Uh, they played well. You know, you have some dynamic guys in that defense. Uh, but to me, I think the long-term having this – 16-game season to work out the kinks with Jordy Nelson. You mentioned they're getting guys back. I like Green Bay. I like them in the NFC and, and, you know, testing their depth across the board. I mean, you saw last year at Green Bay with New England and, you know, different with Browner and, and Revis there, but attacking that third and fourth quarter. Well, I don't know if that talent level is on New England now as it was last year, that third and fourth level type of quarterback. Now, things change. It's a long season, both sides, if they get that far, because it you know, when you talk about this, it's a Super Bowl matchup. But, yeah, they could, with that quarterback making decisions, you know, he's a guy that can put a team on his back like Brady has done and just win the game for you. I actually wrote about these guys this week uh, on Fox and on footballbyfootball.com. I, I, one of the things that I found as I studied uh, studied Aaron Rodgers and trying to figure out how the heck are they doing this right now because they've had so many nicks. Eddie Lacy's been down in and out of the lineup with an ankle. Even when he's been healthy, he hasn't been a high-touch guy. Uh, James Starks, who I really like once I pop on the film, and I'm like, wow, this guy's good. Like, you know, he seems like a hmm. an afterthought, a nice other back, you know, kind of thing. But as you watch him, he's an explosive dude. He's been really helpful in sort of bridging them in these areas where they've had guys down. But the one thing that I noticed, and I think this is kind of like a, an unintended consequence that almost helped Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I'm not, I, maybe that's a little off, but the idea that because he's had some guys down in his in his wide receiver core, there's a lot of these defenses that are playing man to man across the board against him, and a lot of teams simply usually they usually don't do that. But all of a sudden, if like you're not you know Devonte Adams or Jordy Nelson, so we feel a little more comfortable with our personnel against theirs. So they play man, right? They play man across the board and feel safe just having you know single safety high in the middle of the field. Well, what that does is that means all the defenders' backs are to are to Iron Rodgers. 
So even if Aaron doesn't get the separation, he's so good at extending plays, he'll either escape right out the front of the pocket because people aren't fronting him. They're not treating him like Cam Newton or they're not treating him like Russell Wilson where they have to mirror mirror him or whatever. So they're giving him just the four-man rush. And because everyone's backs are turned and he's not getting the – the separation I'm sure he would love. Uh, he either extends the play to the point where the routes break down, it becomes recess, and he completes one of those crazy big balls. Or he just scrambles for 8 to 10 to 12 to 19 or whatever it is, freebie yards, because everyone's freaking back his turn. So it, it's been kind of a weird development. I just I just look at them as a team that I, I put on par with the Patriots. kind of have to put the Patriots ahead just because they did finish the season off last year, and they're not that demonstrably different. But I really do like the Packers moving forward, especially for your point, Brady. That defense is different. It, for whatever whatever the quality is, from what they were doing a year ago, I feel much better about them now. They've been better with turnover ratio. They've been more disruptive. Uh, Dom Capers has just been rolling, you know, rolling pairs all throughout the year, and that's a good thing for them. As you mentioned, hasn't been a yards thing, but points are all I really care about, and they've been really competitive with some teams. So, and part of this was to try to knock a flaw or two into some of these teams. Uh, I think uh, the one thing I would say with the Packers is that they have a little more of a gauntlet left in their schedule than the Patriots because they, they have the, the Broncos, obviously, this weekend. But they also still have the Panthers on their schedule, who we'll touch on just a second. Right. And they have the and they have the Cardinals on the road later in the season. Patriots don't have really anything left like that. So if you're just worried about if it'll be 14 and two or 12 and four, or 13 and three or whatever, they might have a little tougher road, but they'll be in there. They'll be in the fight. And, and I don't think we should be surprised if they're surviving at the end. But, uh, okay, we're going to move on down the road. And we both, I think we had sort of a cumulative agreement there that uh, those are probably your two strongest of all that are undefeated. We'll plow through the others here a little more quickly. Uh, the Bengals, uh, which to me are is one of the real good stories of the year. And Mike Flynn's not going to like to hear that as a long-time Raven. It's, <laughs> it's hard to put, hard to wrap your mind around the idea that the Bengals have been as good as they are. But they now travel to Pittsburgh this weekend for a huge matchup with Big Ben playing again. How do you feel about those Bengals, Mike? Well, I, I tell you, first off, a lot of it, I mean, offensively, they have talent. I mean, across the board. I mean, Marvin Jones and, and A.J. Green and Gio Bernard, Eddie Dalton's playing fantastic. A um, little bit older on defense, but they still have the ability to get after the passer. But I look at the biggest thing, I, I think, with Cincinnati. I think they're talented. But how tough are they? And I'm not physically. I'm just mentally tough under the lights you've seen the last four or five years you know obviously not winning in the playoffs but even you know if you're watching a game and you say you know it's a big game for them coming up short under the lights so to speak you know and the last couple weeks showed me a little bit you had seattle come into cincinnati at the time i felt was a big game seattle needed it they were on the road big game for them Cincinnati knew that, and Cincinnati came out like typical Cincinnati fashion in some bigger games. They they ran a sweep, fumbled, Seattle returned it for a touchdown. Right. Andy Dalton throws an interception in the end zone, okay? And I'm watching that game, and like, here we go again, typical Bengals. What did they do? They fought back, <laughs> they won that game, you know? Which which to me is a big deal. It, it, it's a step for me. It kind of made me open my eyes a little bit. Then they go to Buffalo, and to me, all right, you're playing Buffalo, and then you got Pittsburgh after – Oh, this is a classic game, trap game. And then went up there and, and, and watching the game, the story indicated how, how much I thought that they beat Buffalo. But they're, they're loaded talent-wise. Dalton's playing fantastic. I like the Bengals. I really do. I mean, I think they're a good football game. I think they have the ability to run up and down the field with the Patriots, to just, you know, run up and down the court to steal a basketball term. The key is going to be the playoffs. I, I, I love Marvin Lewis. He was with Baltimore when I was down there. I like him as a guy. 
I think he's a good defensive mind. But to me, when it matters most in the playoffs, he hasn't game planned good enough. He hasn't elevated his teams good enough. They they usually come up far short in those games. They make a lot of mistakes. You know, that to me is just the the big elephant in the room. And you know, I see him now. They look fantastic. But can they take that next step and realize the jump from regular season to playoff and how crucial and the sense of urgency when you play in those games? Yeah, I look at the, the, the Bengals, and I see their biggest deficiency in the same vein there as with Andy Dalton. The guy, to me, hasn't proven to me that in pressure-packed situations like you just brought up, that he can be the player that he's being right now. Now, I mean, we know this is early in the season. It's almost like, you know, they have so much talent. I almost feel like he's playing free, just letting it rip, and guys are making plays around him. But what happens? If the game tightens up, maybe the guys around him aren't making as big of plays, aren't helping him out as much, and he needs to carry a heavier part of the load of success of the team. Can't he do it? I don't think he can. And so I would say their biggest deficiency still lies with the guy who's actually playing pretty well and has been in the discussion from some experts of being in the MVP race, which is Andy Dalton. And to me, I don't think he has the mental toughness capacity to be able to handle those kind of situations to where guys around him maybe aren't making as big of plays, and he has to step his game up, make those critical throws, make those throws where he's threading the needle, taking a shot to where the guy's not open. He's got to throw him open. I don't know if he has it within him to be able to do it, and that's where I see the Bengals' biggest deficiency. I was just going to say, and that's the thing with Andy Dalton. I mean, Brady, you hit it like right on the head. I mean, it's, it's even last year, you see some great moments out of him. And then you go to the playoffs, and I, I don't know, the enormity of the situation, the one-and-done type of feeling. And you look at some of the games, you know, in terms of accuracy, throwing high in the playoff games. I remember a couple of years ago, you know, diving for first down, like four yards short. It was just a funny thing to watch, fumbling, like, you know, stuff that you, that, that you don't do during the regular season, and you get to that game, and it's that kind of deer in headlights. And really, the only way you could see, it's like a kicker, right? The game-winning kick. I mean, you can go to the side field 20 times, 100 times in a day. It doesn't matter until you're on the field with one second left, you know, down three, or down, you need to kick that with the wind blowing. That's, that's what Dalton needs. And when he's been at that point, uh, certainly now in the playoffs, He's fallen flat in his face, and, and you know it's what I—I I don't even know how to. It sounds stupid, but until he does it, I, I don't believe in him. It's one of those situations where I'm—I would actually probably call myself a Dalton defender, at least in this regard. I—I <laughs> agree, I agree with both of you guys in that if tomorrow were a playoff game, I'm not or Sunday or whatever it was, I'm not using any of the things that I've seen thus far this season as rationale for what I think will happen in that game. Cause you're right. That has not been proven. You know, it's just, it's a different animal. Both you guys have played in the biggest games there are. It's just, you can't use a to relate to B it's just, we haven't seen that yet. And until you do you, that you're, you're fine and reasonable to, to not believe it until you've seen it. Uh, one of the things I will give him credit for this season, though, that I haven't seen because he has been sort of a, a stat accumulator over his career in the regular season. He has been tested and and, and passed some pretty uh, pretty impressive tests in the season. The issue with the Seahawks was actually the NFL record was kind of an obscure stab, but no team had come down come back from a 17-point deficit at that particular point in the fourth quarter in NFL history, and he did it against the, the Seahawks defense, of all people. So, you know, kind of a gritty moment there. The other one that was 
was interesting was I think it was a Chargers game on the road, maybe a two, few weeks prior to that, or at home in Cincinnati, and it required two fourth quarter scores uh, to come back uh, against, you know, basically drives that had to be answered. Like they just gotten sort of kicked in the teeth and they had to score. The game was over. So there's been those moments, but now I, I've watched him plenty this season where, you know, he'll, he'll miss a flat route on a check down. And, and miss him by five yards. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, you'll see those. But the one thing I'll give him credit for that I think I haven't seen in past years is that when he'll have one of those low series, he's had good comeback series, which makes you think the dude's growing. He's not being bothered by it as much when, it, when he's having the issues. All those things said, got to do in the playoffs. Uh, one thing I will sort of give Cincinnati a checkbox for that I think they weren't as much of a threat, say, against the Patriots. Obviously, this is an AFC team we're talking about. They have really good secondary depth, which means they're one of those few teams, I think, out there that could match the Patriots when they go four and five wide and not be nearly as stressed. I mean, sometimes you don't get to that guy if your offense isn't good that way. And usually the Patriots just find whoever's covering Aaron Dobson, who's the fifth guy, or whoever has carrying covering, you know, somebody you didn't game plan for, then you're a little weak at that spot. They have... Let me run through the names here. People would know Drake Kirkpatrick, Darquez Denard, some of their depth players. Leon Hall's still there and hasn't even been their starter. Adam Jones. It's just a really talented back end, and I think you really need that specifically to match the Patriots. But that's just their own sort of thing. Can they hold it together? And as, as you guys mentioned, they're a little bit old in the tooth. I like the addition of A.J. Hawk. You get a veteran communicator in the middle, disruptive in the middle, all the things those guys got going on. But uh, as I think all people who follow the Bengals will wait and see. Uh, moving on here down through the standings, we are nearing the end. We'll we'll touch on the Broncos here quickly from both of you guys. Obviously, they got the big game coming up off the bye, going to face the Packers. How do you see the, the Broncos, Brady? I see the Broncos, their deficiency is with the man that used to be their strength, Peyton Manning. And the deficiency comes in two ways. Right. First, he's not a fit for what Kubiak wants him to do. When he goes under center, I don't know if you guys have seen, the guy labors getting into his drops. Yeah. He labors into his footwork. I mean, it's he looks like he's working in quicksand. And so now he has to sit out a shotgun. But guess what? Kubiak doesn't want him to be a shotgun. So there, there's two problems <laughs> right. there. A, paid man doesn't even function in Kubiak's offense. And the second one is there's somewhat of a conflict between what Kubiak wants to do and then what Peyton wants to do, which I believe will ultimately lead to their demise because they're just too big of minds, too big of egos to really sit back and say, hey, all right, Peyton, do whatever you got to do to win. You're good. Versus Peyton saying, all right, man, just let me do what I got to do to win. I don't know if they're going to come on the same page. And because of that, I see that ultimately leading to their demise. But I will say this. Peyton is going to have at least a couple big explosive games under his belt that can all of a sudden come out of nowhere that nobody expected. And he's going to put up 40 points, throw over, four, over 400 yards, and the defense is going to go play. The, matter, uh, the fact of the matter is, or I should say the question of the matter is, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen in one of these regular season games or really is not going to be a big mover and a shaker? Or is it going to be one of those critical win and get in kind of games in the playoffs? So I would say their biggest deficiency lies with Peyton Manning and the potential conflicts or even the current conflicts that exist with his philosophies offensively and that of Gary Kubiak's. Yeah, I, I don't think Kubiak and, and Manning are a good match. I mean, you know, listen, if you say, okay, great defense, uh, they can win games for you. Denver's defense could do that. If you could run the ball effectively, and you've seen Peyton Manning, the arm isn't there, but there's been some big throws. He's come, brought the team back in the last couple minutes, won games, made some big throws. That'd be a good recipe. The problem that you have is they don't really run the ball well. They don't run the ball well at all, which can't make Kubiak happy. The offensive line has struggled. 
And you mentioned it, Brady. You know, he doesn't want to be under center. I mean, he can't get out. I mean, he looks awful. Now, yeah. the results are – I mean, he actually looks worse than the results, even though the results have been great. But he actually w- looks worse than the results. So, you know, trying to find that happy medium. But with that defense, something really – you know, I'm trying to think. You know, last year the defense was pretty good, but generally in Peyton Manning's career, he hasn't played with a good defense. It's been yeah. one of those situational defenses, bend don't break, kind of turnover type of defense, or be you know the Colts' ability to rush the passer. But you know, the defense for Denver is pretty good. I mean, if they can run the football, and you 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 know less is more with Manning, and he hit, takes a couple shots, a few shots down the field in the game to stretch your defense a little bit. You know, maybe something happens, but, you know, I, what Kubiak wants, what Manning wants to do, I don't know if there's issues between those two, but, yeah, it, it's a different philosophies. Uh, I like the defense. I think defenses travel well in the playoffs. It, it, it's a good foundation, but, you know, to me, the number one issue is Peyton Manning with that team. It'd be interesting to see where that run game continues to, if it continues to mature. One of the biggest issues those guys had going on beyond just sort of the surprise, I don't know, Issues with Manning, just the fact that it's been, I mean, not a surprise. I think you hit the nail on the head, Mike, that it, it just, even on paper, didn't look like a great match because all of a sudden, uh, we discussed this on prior shows, but all of a sudden Peyton Manning has to a lot make a lot of post-snap decisions where usually what he had, had really been so good at is he diagnoses everything, all that all those gyrations, all the, you know, all the talking and motioning hands and all that stuff prior to the snap because he really wants to move everyone around, completely diagnose what it's going to be as soon as the ball is snapped and know where he's going to go with the ball, get them to declare, and then sort of figure it out. Kubiak's offense doesn't let him do that near as much. He doesn't have as much autonomy, and a lot of it is, you know, you know, not just counting the box and then audible and out and taking a, a run where he thinks it should go. It's more taking the place from the sideline and trying to figure out post-snap once he's dropped back you know, reading two or three deep. And it's usually that pre-snap brilliance he had in his old offense that that was so good for him. So he's an old guy adjusting, which is a weird spot for any veteran to be in. Uh, You just don't know how it's going to work out. I'm sure he'll make, he'll make some, you know, he'll make pie of it eventually, but kind of like Brady said, is it going to be enough? Is it going to just be a one or two week thing where it teases you that he'll turn it or, or will it be, in a critical game. I guess we just don't know that. But one of the cool, one of the things they were really dealing with was offensive line health. Health, And I think you were right, whichever the two of you that said it, that it's been bad at points. Uh, Evan Mathis came over, they did the trade or free agent signing, whatever it was. And he was really, uh, he wasn't good initially. And that's not even my evaluation. That's more him of himself saying he was, he sucked for, for a week or two until he got himself up to speed. They had the issues with Clady going down, RJ Harris or Ryan Harris or whatever the name was, uh, popping around at the tackle spot, uh, using their second round pick now to start at left tackle. Uh, you know, just they've, they've been in flux. So I think they're a group that if they can figure it out, they've had some big run weeks. They just haven't been very consistent. So if for some reason they have a run game and have a defense, I care less about uh, Peyton Manning. I'm not talking for winning championships. I'm just talking about being a strong playoff contender and getting in there and maybe winning a game or so. But moving on here down the road uh, to really sort of the, I don't know, to me, one of the most surprising stories of the young NFL season as, as, much as, you know, there is some surprise of the Bengals being as good as they are, they've still been a playoff team. They still, you know, had a lot of health issues a year ago, but now they got Tyler Eifert back. So I think it's relatively predictable that they would be rolling like they are. The Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, I think people looked at as a team that they, you know, kind of backhanded compliment. You know, they're tough. 
Ron, Ron Rivera is tough. They, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll make something happen. Cam Newton will make a play here or there, but it was all, you know, Luke Keekley's a good player, but it kind of backhanded compliment. I mean, if honestly, if, if gun to your head, could you even name all their wide receivers, you know, especially in the absence of Kelvin Benjamin, I think they're one of the coolest stories, at least from the, the angle of resourcefulness, because they, you go out and win in some of the very difficult places that they've won. They sit at six and oh, I think they're kind of at a spot where we all need to kind of start taking them a little more seriously. How do you feel about the Panthers, Mike? Well, I think things that I like about them now, this is a different year when I was playing, but they run the football really well and which right. could maybe hide some of those wide receiver deficiencies, right? You have a quarterback right. that you mentioned, Cam Newton could just make a play. I mean, as athletic as anybody in the league, he's a special player. He can make something out of nothing. Um, you know, you look at, you know, where they are. They don't – plus minus, they're in the top of the league. I mean, they, and they score points. I mean, they score points. They have a great defense. Yeah, amazing. Solid physical defense. Keekley's uh, going to get healthy now. Great defense. They can run the football. I think at the end of the day, their weakness, you mentioned the receivers. You don't know them. You know, maybe they improve. It's not the most talented group. And, and I just think you've got to get the ball downfield, throw it from the pocket. It, it can happen. But I, I love the way they run the football. I love what they do defensively. And Cam Newton can make just enough plays to keep winning. But to me, they're a physical team. Um, you know, when you play those guys, you're walking out of their bruising batters. I, I like watching that team play. Oh, I just said, yeah, my biggest uh, – I like the Carolina Panthers. I mean, those guys, like you had mentioned, are physical. They run the ball, and then, and then they're balanced on defense. You know, Norman, he's one of the best corner cover corners out there. You throw the ball his way, you pretty much can count on it. It's not going to get caught. I think his average – or his quarterback rating thrown to him is like in the 43 range. Uh, and so they have a nice mix of power with guys like Starley Tulele up front, setting the, or setting the middle of their defense, cleaning up those linebackers, Keekly and uh, – uh, Thomas Davis, so they can roam sideline to sideline, and then offensively they have the power angle where the def- where they're deficient, like you mentioned, is in their wide receiving core. But even more so, what happens when they get into a game? So all of a sudden they find themselves down a couple scores, and they, they can't right. afford to continue to run the ball to set up the defense to get in those heavy run sets. And now they have some some space to work with vertically with this wide receiving core. That is a little bit, I would say, at best on average, most likely under average or under par. Uh, so that's really the question I have is are they able to, in a situation where they have to come back, able to do that? And now, they did it with Seattle, and I, and, I, and I understand it was in the fourth quarter and also it wasn't that they were down 14 points. But still, right. do they have that ability? I don't think they do just because of their wide receiving core. And with Cam Newton, I find him to be somewhat sporadic and streaky. He's a guy that also, in the same vein as Andy Dalton, that seems to, if he really gets into a challenging, adverse situation, it weighs that much more heavier on the guy, and he seems to have a, a very difficult time and 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 not allowing that situation to become bigger than him, and he sort of buckles. And so uh, I see with them their deficiency has to lie with the, their inability, or at least per, perceived inability, to be able to come back if they're down a couple scores because they they are so dependent on being able to run the ball. Yeah, the tough part of sort of cracking that egg with with the Panthers is, you know, you give them all in the credit of the world. You go out and win at CenturyLink in Seattle. I mean, there's there's 
it's one of the toughest places in the league to win. So they were able to put them up there, and they're very dependent. As much as the run game, you guys are, are absolutely correct on that. But they also rely very heavily on the tight end, and there's really no one else in football that does that any more than maybe the Patriots. You know, Greg Olson has been there. He is the receiving threat, really, you know. It's the, the relationship, the high target number to a tight end isn't something you see a lot of other places. There's other places that target them, but then they also have receiving core that they, they sort of spin to. The Panthers are weird. I mean, Ted Ginn is a guy that, you know, I, I played against. Brady, you probably played against. He's yep. he's uh, he's an enigma. He's a guy that is faster yeah. than most in the league. He's extremely explosive. But the issue is always refinement. Like, is he going to be the, the crisp route runner? Is he going to catch it cleanly? Is He was the guy that was in the game to have two or three big explosive games and then to kick your ass on kick return and punt return because he was just so tough to get down. But now, and, and again, this is watching last weekend's game and just being really impressed with him. He looks sharp. Uh, he looks like he's really on the same page with Cam, and I've been, uh, you know, hand of the air. I, I, I've been impressed with the guy. He doesn't look like the same dude. So he's shown growth late in his career at a time where they really needed it. Uh, one of the other things that sort of pops to my head is just the idea of this team running the football as well as they do um, with, uh, is it James Stewart? No, Jonathan Stewart. I always use James. He's the, <laughs> the other older back. But Jonathan Stewart, uh, I, I yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's he's fun to watch uh, because he's a bigger, powerful, and explosive dude. They still use a fullback. If people out there that do fantasy football, watching Mike Tolbert get one yard carries for touchdowns and having him score more fantasy points, and your guy that rushed for 150, that's that's a pain in the ass. But uh, mm-hmm. I think from that from that issue, it's they're 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 very dependent, and they've won in a way that is there's some I guess there would be some reasonable concerns about how that would translate to different opponents and because they've really just played their NFC South plus the the Seahawks you kind of don't know I mean how would that translate to the Steelers or how would that translate to playing the Patriots or or the Bengals or or any of these other Packers that they haven't played so it works against the particular things they've gone against and it's admirable what else does it mean I do not know we will see it'll be fun to go back and look here a month from now guys and maybe review what we've just talked about because really that was sort of the point of the show here's where they stand a lot at six and oh and uh we'll know a little bit more maybe a month from now if if these guys have been able to string it together but had a great time awesome show as always thank you brady and mike take care guys and enjoy the week my pleasure my pleasure all right guys have a good guys see you Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. That was NFL in the game. Had a blast doing that show with those guys. Super experienced dudes with great insight. As always, this FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from these guys and others, make sure to check out the footballbyfootball.com Facebook page and give us a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.